There is a, a great power that God intended for his corporate people. And uh, Paul, one of the consistent apostolic teachings that you'll see in the epistles is he'll use this phrase, many members, one body, many members, one body. And so uh, the representation of Jesus Christ in the nations of the earth was always supposed to come through a corporate people. And as individuals, and we, we can identify with that because one of the characteristics of American culture is it has this individualistic uh, focus, which not is all bad, but it's not all good either. But also, the, but the culture of Scripture is, is not individualistic. The culture of Scripture was Hebraic, and meaning this, that uh, the Hebrew would, would identify that if someone uh, was hurting or injured, it would be like everyone else was hurting or injured. One of the reasons that they taught them to, uh, for, for generations afterwards to talk about the exodus from Egypt, it was because they wanted the children to identify with the reality that God had taken them, even though they lived hundreds of years later, he wanted them to remember that they too had been taken out of bondage and into covenant promise. Because to forget something that God did would be to diminish your understanding of who God is. That's why the testimony is so powerful. And so that, that, that is for someone here today. When you forget what God has done, it's difficult to live present. The challenge that you're facing often is, uh, uh, is not, God doesn't intend it, but he, he often will give you a testimony that, uh, that causes you to remember, oh, yeah, God did this, so he's going to do this. Amen. He's a God who intervenes. He's a God who takes care of these things. And so... God actually holds you responsible for the things that he's done to shape the way you think about him. Uh, one of the, 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 and we see it when he tells them it's time to go into the promised land. He actually holds it against those who did not enter that they saw his miraculous power yet did not change the way they thought. Because it's supposed to, it's actually one of the ways you learn is by visible experiences with seeing God do certain things. So we'll go back to this high point here. Uh, the goal of God for every person in this room, uh, even born again or unborn again, but the goal of God is for you to be like Jesus. Amen. The goal of God is for you to be like Jesus. The goal of God is not to get you to heaven. The goal actually to be truthful too of the body of Christ is not just to win souls. Just natural. That's, like, that's, like, uh, that's like saying the goal of a house is to build a foundation. You need the foundation, but the goal is not the foundation. The goal is the house. He actually cares about what's happening in the world. This is not a disconnected God. He just doesn't get them saved and let them get beat up like abused children for 50 years of their life or 80 years or 120 or however they're supposed to live and then get them to have. If, if you, as a, one of the signs of immaturity is you make choices just based on, can I get to heaven and still do this? Come on. Uh -oh. John wrote in his epistle, Right, John wrote in his epistle, he said, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Meaning saying, I love the Lord so much and my desire is to be like him. Whatever he asks me to do, it's not that big of a deal. But here, here, here's, the, here's the really important part. This is the really, because God's been lied upon. 
People are, it's just really tough following the Lord, you know, I just see all these rules. Like, stop that. That's propaganda. You know what's really hard? Listen to me, Linda. What's really hard is to know a little bit about God, but still try and live by yourself. To despise, to go, I don't want to do that. You know, like, that's real American thinking. You just think you could choose things that God wants. It's really hard. It's even harder to live in this world without God. Like, it's challenging enough. But it's even more challenging when you know a little about about God, but still want to live in hell. (laughs) So that's what's really hard. True freedom, like, the only deliverance from this world is to be all in for God. That's the real, you never really get delivered of this world unless you consistently make that choice to go all in. So, uh, that's right. That is right. (laughs) But uh, let's look at uh, uh, Luke, the the fourth chapter. Excuse me, Luke chapter six was in the wrong place. Want to read this? This articulates this point. Well, we'll start in verse 39. Jesus gave the following illustration. Now, this one statement from Jesus can help us all out. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? It also tells you the, the, the importance he puts on relationships and I, he's not emphasizing it there, but I will emphasize it in this because it's found in the whole of Scripture. He's telling you that part of uh, where you're going, you need other people to take you. So it's really important where you're connected in at, at a local body. So, so can the blind person lead another, lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teachers, but the student who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So he's saying, my goal for you is to be like me. And then Ephesians 5, verse 1, we won't read it. But uh, Paul, and I always say that when God makes a statement in Scripture, he's not American. He's not giving a suggestion. He's not like, hey, if you, like, you want to do this, like, you know. You can, you know, he's, this is a command. He said, therefore, be imitators of God. Therefore, be imitators of God. And so in, in, this, in this setting, in, in the setting of the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, the beautiful thing about this is that we are all supposed to be like coming like each other because we're all supposed to be coming like Jesus. Yeah. Yet, we're all uniquely different. I don't know if you notice it, so you can kind of see different, different skin colors and stuff. But it's, it's way beyond that. We've been, we like certain things. We are drawn to certain things. We have different assignments here on the earth. We have different functions of what God has called us to do. We have different functions of even what God has called us to do, even when we come together. So it is a, 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 a corporate body, and, and, and Paul puts it this way. He, he uses, of course, that, that great analogy, if you've been around the body of Christ any sort of time, he uses the analogy of, of actually a physical body. He's saying just because you don't see this part or this because they're all important parts working together for the purposes of the Lord. So God has called us together here in a room. Now, what, what constitutes a local church? What, constitu- what, call, what, what does God align with the local church? What makes it part of a church? Not because it's got the name on it. That doesn't make it a church. 
or even a building. A local church, and you have this here, is when God speaks to men and women. God divinely calls men and women to lead the body. You can't call yourself. And, and he calls them into a, a place, I call it a territory or a region, and he calls them to birth something that is part of the global church, and that is what qualifies. They could meet in a beautiful building like this, they could meet, they could meet in a living room, wherever it may be. I've been, a, you know, preached under a tree, out in a field, you know, beautiful, most beautiful buildings. That's what constitutes a body. Now, here's another American thing, and I'm sorry, you know, you might interpret this a certain way. If you've been hurt, if you've been hurt by leaders, I'm really sorry. If, you, if you've walked through things inside the body of Christ that didn't represent Jesus, I'm sorry. But it still doesn't take away the truth and the strength that God invests in the local body. Very American concept is that people in the congregation think they should tell the pastor what to do. <laughs> But it's also the job of leadership to create a family environment. Apostles, one of the things you see that should come out of apostles, like a father. That's, that's part of what, a, 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 you know, a grace, you'll usually see an apostle. But here's the other part of that. The reason I say that is because in my family, I live, I have a, you know, fairly healthy family. I'll say like that. People are like, my family's dysfunction. We all got dysfunction. <laughs> Just as are we going in the right direction? But at least in my family, I have never, ever told my father what to do. Come on. Amen. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you should never ask a question. to I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying these things don't necessarily function culturally like we think they should function. And so uh, I don't know how I got on that, but that, that made me feel better. So we're... we're <laughs> We're supposed to be this corporate people gathered around, and you should ask yourself, why do I actually, if, 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 you, if you are a regular part or you consider yourself a member here, you should ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I coming here? Why do I come here? You know, <laughs> commitment is not once every three weeks. Let me just help you with that, you know. <laughs> the people I know committed to the gym are not there once every three weeks. So... Uh, so we want to encourage you, if you're missing that commitment and you consider yourself a part here, to become a regular part of this. Now, I'm not saying, you know, sometimes work doesn't come up, but here, here's the thing. When you come into the kingdom of God, you want to make decisions based upon putting God first. Now, American normally, not you, the person not here. So... <laughs> <laughs> They're working for a company, and it's, quote, unquote, their dream job. I hope you have a great, I hope, I hope what you do, you really enjoy, because you're doing it all day. I hope that you're not an American and work for money. You could start working for money, because maybe you got born again, you were doing that, but you should work from purpose. Purpose will always bring you all the money you ever need. But often what happens is sometimes, like, oh, our company's moving us here, moving it there, so we have to move. I say find the place you're supposed to be connected to, and then God will bring the job to the region that you're in. So when people, it gets quiet with that one. It's like, I don't know, it's really radical. No, no, this is normal. The problem is we've, we, we have, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that alone. So you want to make decisions, and I know you might not be there. You might have just gotten born again three weeks ago, or this is, you've never heard anything like this. But you want to make decisions according to seeking first the kingdom of God. Find the place you're supposed to be. So when people tell me, there's no good churches in my city, first thing I ask them is, do you belong in that city? 
Second thing is, if there's no, then if you do, then there's something wrong with you, not the churches. Come on. Amen. <laughs> so he gets quiet. At that. <laughs> now you have a very unique expression of what God is doing. So I wasn't planning. This is not in my notes. So, <laughs> so you want to make decisions according to that. So you, you, and these are all, all wonderful things. Like, it, yes, yes, if, if you get an, a job offer and they're going to offer you, what, $150,000 more to move there, the, what you notice is circumstances in life identify things in your heart and they also give you the opportunity to bring it before the Lord. You're like, oh, it'd be really nice to have a, another $100,000. And God's like, yeah, because you, you like money. So now I'm going to test you with that area. But if you put me first, I'll give you more money than you ever could dreamed of. But now this is a test for you. Are you trying to take care of your family yourself, or are you going to trust me to take care of your family? See, all these wonderful things that come up when you walk with the Lord. And sometimes we just think all these things are disconnected to the will and the purpose of God, but they're all functioning together in the will and the life of God. That's my introduction. <laughs> but the second thing is, is as we gather here, we should all be growing to be the, 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 per, the, the reason instruction comes, the reason worship is, is we're supposed to be this corporate people that together are representing Jesus that is visible and it is, it is, a, is a culture, a community in a sense of the people of God that as we represent God, it becomes an identifying uh, different uh, representation of God and it causes people to recognize those people are unique and peculiar and they, even though I, I'm going to be, I'm forced when I'm around these people to decide if I'm going to serve the God that they serve because there's definitely something different about those people. This is how Jesus put it in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Hope you brought your Bibles today. Verse 13, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is a salt if it's lost its favor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. That's interesting. Jesus was a whole lot more plain than a lot of times we may. I think he had a little New Jersey in him. But this is the part that really strikes me. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Notice he says, I am the light of the world. Then he turns it around and he says, you are the light of the world. What's he saying? He's saying you're supposed to represent me. Whether you realize it or not, the moment you got born again, one of God's overriding passions for your life is that you would give a visible expression of what God looked like. I know. That's really impossible. I know. Welcome to walking with God. Everything he asks you to do is impossible without him. Like a city. Notice how he says this, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. It's not necessarily a physical city, but it's a group of people who are uniquely different, who actually every person has this assignment. So we should all be uniquely different 
in a sense of what God has called us to do and also what every person in this room has a purpose. You will be judged not even for coming to church. You'll be judged not for how much money you gave. You'll be judged not for greeting or serving. You will be judged for fulfilling your purpose on the earth. And the beautiful thing about God is everything, I'll say it like this, he asks you to do, he's given you the power to do. He, 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 God does not require anything of you that he first has not empowered you to do. It's a beautiful system. He's like, you need faith to please him. So he, so he goes, I'll give you my faith. And then you're, you, you still have a choice in it. We'll touch in a minute. You still have a choice in it, but it becomes so brilliant, you'll be like Jesus. And you'll say, it's not me who does the work, but the Father in me. Amen. That's true life in God. Well, you can't, you can't uh, give credit for any brilliant thing you've done because it's so far beyond what you know to be possible, but you're choosing to do it and you put God on display. You're, you're, the reason it's so important, too, to discover purpose is because your purpose is to be, you're, when you're operating in purpose, whether it's a, a school teacher or a, a, an entrepreneur or a, a, whatever it may be, working at Starbucks, it, it is, you can do it as unto the Lord, and it actually gives service to the, the world. I met this man uh, uh, about a year and a half ago was at this uh, National Religious Broadcasters convention i was doing interviews for my, my book and um i i loved what he said to me he he's a very brilliant man i believe and uh, i believe he, he actually did very well uh financially and uh he, i i said well what's your book about and he said oh i've been in human resources like 20 years i said oh interesting and he goes i wanted to know i knew god had called me to uh, human resources i love god with all my heart i thought maybe i was called to ministry but i was called to human resources and he goes, I looked for books that would teach me about how to do human resources God's way. And he goes, I read the Maxwell books. I read this book. And then, then he said this to me. This is brilliant. He goes, then I realized no one else was going to write the book. And it was my responsibility to write the book. I love that. He's got this book on how to be a human resource director like Jesus. The problem here is, the challenge here is, and I'm believing God for it to change among God's people is that, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, to, to operate in certain places. You need certain degrees. I, I go, Lord Jesus, I, I got a lot of degrees. Uh, but uh, we get trained by the world and then have the lens. There's nothing wrong with degrees and different things. I got three. But we get trained by the world, and then we have the world's lens, and then we're trying to add Jesus to the world's lens. What we're supposed to be is originators. That if you're a businessman, like Pastor Chad, an entrepreneur, that God begins to teach you how to do it. And there's nothing wrong with getting trained in Harvard. Nothing wrong with those things. But it's always with the foundation of the Word of God and the voice of God. And we look at things through a different set of lenses, a different set of eyes that we look at things. And when we look at it through those eyes, maybe someone else, because we're supposed to be a community looking like Jesus, you have another young man in the community who goes, hey, 
I feel called to be an entrepreneur. Like, okay, you go talk to Chad and maybe spend some time with him, and he's going to begin to help you along those lines. Or Dr. John. Dr. John, you got a little experience bringing God into the marketplace. I'm sure you've not made any mistakes. And uh, No, we say that because then you can you go, you know, I did this a little wrong, but I can tell you how to do this right here in this area. So it doesn't take you eight years, you know, after you, you start your practice and bring God into it and want to pray for people. You know, all this stuff. But you're, you're, the reason discovering your purpose is so important, first of all, you'll never be bored. I'm not bored. Thankfully, I've never pretty much worked a, 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 a job that I dislike most of my adult life. People, you know, people ask, don't you ever get bored, get on plays? I never. I never said, oh, my gosh. I said, what a privilege. I can't believe I get to do this. And, they, and God, you pay me well to do it. Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. So got quiet with that one. But um, <laughs> no one puts a light. A lights on a lamp then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds notice he's saying that your 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 life exactly what i was talking about your life is to put god on display let your good deeds shine out of all for all to see so that everyone listen to what he's saying that everyone will praise your Father, your Heavenly Father. Why would they praise your Heavenly Father? Because they see goodness. They see results. They see excellence. I was reading Daniel 6 yesterday, and it struck me again. He's, he's so brilliant at his job. He's in demand to an evil man. Yep. Yep. Potiphar, same thing with Joseph. Potiphar is not a Holy Ghost man. Come on. He's, not, he's not a seer. But the Bible says in Genesis 39, he saw, he saw the blessing of the Lord on Joseph. Can people see the blessing of the Lord on you? And then uh, 2 Corinthians, Lord Jesus, help me. This, my, this was supposed to be a five-minute introduction. 2 Corinthians 2. Corinthians chapter 2. Actually, I want to read this. At a, I had a living, new living chapter. I'm going to read it out of Passion. I love how Brian Simmons puts this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. We have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed God. Some translations say he always causes us to triumph. A perfume of life to those who are being saved and an odor of death to those who are being perished. I think he throws that in there because uh, he wants to let us know you can be the most loving, kind person and be brilliant, but people still hate you because you love Jesus. We're seeing that in, in mass in America today. Don't be hateful. Like, no, I just don't agree with you. I don't hate you. You hate yourself. So. <laughs> so he says, God puts us on display through the knowledge of God coming through us. So one of the marks that 
we're supposed to have as a, as a people is that our lives actually give fruit and invite people in to know who God is. I love uh, uh, Jesus' exchange with, uh, with Philip. Philip goes, show us the Father. He goes, have I been with you that long? You don't see the Father? He says this, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's saying, if you've seen my life, you've seen what God looks like. So there's these, uh, I call them, uh, this is where I felt like we were going to really dial in today. We'll just see how much we get into this. But there are, there are fundamental uh, characteristics for all human beings that you have to have functioning in your life to be as God intends you to be, and even more importantly, to walk like Jesus on the earth. And I want to look at these here in uh, Genesis 1. And I also want you to see, and I want you to see it through this lens. Uh, in Genesis, you will find characteristics that God gives to all human beings, that they, that they need to function. We know that Adam failed to live correctly. Adam failed to live correctly, which also tells you something about the nature of God. When you fail to live correctly as God intends you to live, or you fail in an assignment that God has called you to live, you will leave it to the next generation to have to do. Your life is not an individual pursuit. Your life was supposed to actually impact generations to come. As brilliant as David was, and yes, he finished well, he served the purposes of God. He still left because of the choice he made with Bathsheba. He still left sexual immorality in his bloodline. And because he murdered, murdered was part of his family lineage. So realize the high price that you have. Does, does God forgive you? Absolutely. Is God there? On your day, your worst mistake. He's, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. But the, but the worst position you can do, you, the, the, if you're even thinking about, well, you know, I can do it, then God will forgive me. Oh, God, he's already got you. That's right. Realize that your sin is not isolated. Right. It will affect your children's children. So Genesis 1, we'll, we'll, we'll look at this. Genesis chapter 1. Let's start in verse 26. Everybody still with me? He gave me to no time. So uh, like I said, if you're done before I am, just God bless you. Thank you for coming. It's a new day. We'll be back Wednesday night for discipleship. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow night for prayer. Exactly. Yeah. Then God said, let us make man in our image to be like us. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over every creature that creeps along the ground and over the wild animals. Uh, two things I want to I note to you that he says, let them, uh, at least here, and then we'll look at some other things, let them reign. Uh, you see that God gives people made in his image governing authority. So God has created us as a corporate people to govern the world we live in with the purposes of God. That's what that city looks like. It's not just one or two. Yes, one or two are every, be everything God's called you to be, but it's always part of a larger picture and a larger body that is supposed to contribute. So good questions you should ask yourself. If you come here regularly or once every three weeks and think you're committed, are you a contributor? 
And are you a person who thinks with taking dominion? And you'll also see that, uh, we'll look at this in a minute. I, was, I didn't finish this thought. Every, every place that Adam failed, you'll see that Jesus picks up. Jesus is the first man since Adam to express God's original intent. What I mean by that is everything in the life of Jesus, fully God, fully man, express, he never stops being God. He expresses divinity through humanity. So the things he does on the earth, pre-cross, pre he's doing as a, as a man in right relationship with God, even though he never stopped being God. So what do you do? You, as a believer, Christ in you, are to express divinity through your weak humanity.